Coming up on Studios America, it's easy to still feel pressured by the federal government's COVID restrictions, even here in Texas. But you know who has it even worse? Our friends to the north. I have a friend in the north, Brian Lilly from the Toronto Sun. He is there and he's going to talk to us about the situation in Ontario and how it comp uh, com uh, compares to the United States. And it's it's not pretty. And cancel culture continues to tear down the highway with this brake lines cut as the University of Virginia has made one of their students persona non grata over questioning of woke leftist policies, of course. Isn't the free and open exchange of ideas just, I think it's just wonderful. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And uh, did you get to catch my segment last night, Stu Eats America? I know I look like I've already eaten America. Well, you can watch it happen on last night's program. Head over to my uh, Instagram page at Stu Does America to check it out. Follow the link in the bio to watch the rest of our content absolutely free or get access to our full slate of conservative programming with a subscription to Blaze TV. Head over to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Now that there's a Democrat in the White House, it's time again for conservatives to start hiding all the guns we don't want taken away from us. You can find mine, unfortunately, at the bottom of Lake Louisville, where I totally accidentally dropped all of them out of my boat. Oh, boating accidents. It's so many of them these days. Let's do Biden's gun grab. Stu does America. <laughs> so, did you have a fun time today watching that Joe Biden speech about guns? Wait, you didn't watch it? You expect me to watch it for you and give you all the highlights? That's a good plan, because that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. It's important. The Second Amendment is, as usual, under a Democrat at least, under attack. And the Joe Biden speech today was somewhat unremarkable to be honest with you. A lot of the stuff that we kind of expected, a lot of the lies that you'd expect, and a lot of the typical Joe Biden craziness, like when he forgot what the, the acronym for the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms were. Usually it's ATF, right? And eh, not according to Joe. The Bureau of Alcohol, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the key agency enforcing gun laws, hasn't had a permanent director since 2015. Today, I'm proud to nominate David Chipman to serve as a director of the AFT. Hmm. David knows the AFT well. Oh. He served there for 25 years. At least he knows maybe that it's the ATF and not the AFT. That's one thing he might know. I think the AFT, though, to be fair, is uh, the American Federation of Teachers, which is, you know, Biden's been kissing their ass for so long. He may have just got it. The group's confused. You give him a break on stuff like that. He did do some of that stuff. We'll get into that coming up here soon. But really, the, the, the actual meat of what he was suggesting is frightening in a country that has a Second Amendment. If you were in North Korea or you were in China or even Canada, as maybe my friend Brian Lilly will talk about here in just a minute, you know, look, maybe you get away with this stuff. You don't get away with this in the United States. This is not this. We have a Second Amendment that says you cannot infringe these rules. Some of this, though, are just talking points. Uh, one of the things, let me give you an example here. Uh, the Charleston loophole. You ever hear them talk about the Charleston loophole? Uh, this is something they've tried to push through and get people to understand and get people to kind of attach themselves to so they can change that rule. Here's Biden talking about it today. To close the Charleston, known as the Charleston loophole. Like people here, I spent time down at that church in Charleston. What happened is, someone was allowed to get the gun used to kill those innocent people at the church service. 
If the FBI hasn't com didn't complete the background check within three days, there's a process. If it wasn't done in three days, according to Charleston loophole, you get to buy the gun. He's an amazing storyteller, and I think you could detect it from that particular clip. I mean, really, all the passion uh, from that moment, I thought he really encapsulated. But I will say this about the Charleston loophole. It's not a loophole. It is the opposite of a loophole. It is designed to prevent a loophole. Uh, the government could, in, let's just say you got rid of this quote-unquote Charleston loophole, which, which they seem to want to do. Uh, basically, you could go in and ask for a gun, and they would do a background check, and let's just say the federal government decided not to actually do the background check. Let's say you asked for it, but they just never got back to you with an answer. And they said, oh, we're not going to get back to you. And they waited three days, four days, 10 days, 20 days, 50 days, 80 days. They could wait forever and no one could buy a gun if they decided that would be a way to essentially ban gun purchases without banning gun purchases. They could just not go through with the background check. So what the law does and says is an incredibly generous three full days for you to complete a background check. So you go in, you buy a gun, they put you through the background check system. You may not be able to take that gun out, as the shooter in Charleston could not. He had to wait three full days until eventually the background check came back uh, and said, uh, excuse me, the background check did not come back. And after three days, that time expired. Therefore, he was able to buy the gun. It's to protect uh, the American people with their Second Amendment rights to can still go through the black background check uh, process. But at the end of the day, they're not able uh, to just screw you out of, uh, of a gun by just never completing the background check. Now, there's other details about this. It does not look like the background check would have come back negative anyway in Charleston. So it's even more BS. But let me tell you how bad of a lie this is. In 2013, Manchin Toomey, you may remember the name of that bill, Joe Manchin, that hardcore center Democrat, and Pat Toomey put together a bill that was supposed to be the moderate alternative uh, for gun control. Uh, it got 54 votes in the Senate, 54 to 46. So, it was, you know, they, they did better than they'd probably do on something like this today. 54 to 46. And in there, one of the key clauses was to shorten the time period from three days to one day. Not get rid of it or make it longer, but shorten it from three days to one day. You go in, you buy a gun. If they don't come back immediately with a gun uh, background check, then in one day, uh, you're able to buy the gun anyway. Why would they shrink it from three days to one day? Well, quite obviously, the year is freaking, now it was 2013, now it's 2021. You don't need three days to do a background check. You can go like every time you, you type in somebody's name in the Internet, they give you every link pops up. It's like, do you want to do a background check on that person? No, creepy. I'm not going to do a background check on that person. But the point here is that you can get background checks all over the place now. That's, that doesn't take three days or one day to do it. It should be instant. Now, is the Internet out? Someone kick, kicked out the, 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 the Ethernet cable to the modem in Washington, D.C.? All right. Give you a little bit of time to fix it. But generally speaking, this should be an instant process and, and, and many times usually is. Uh, so even the Democrats, almost every Democrat voted for that bill. Even the Democrats were saying, yeah, we can shorten this. It's not a big deal. It's not a big change. Now he wants to not only lengthen it, he wants to get rid of the Charleston loophole. Total lie. Uh, another total lie here from Joe Biden talking about gun shows. In the very beginning, you couldn't own any weapon you wanted to own. From the very beginning of the Second Amendment existed, certain people weren't allowed to have weapons. Okay, actually, that's the other one about the weapons. The, the gun show one's coming up. So 
according to Joe Biden, the beginning of the country, you couldn't actually own any weapon. And some people couldn't own weapons. Uh, David Harsani wrote a book about this. Actually, he wrote a book about the American uh, founding and, and the history of guns in America. And let me give you his quote from it. I wrote a book on the history of American guns and never once did I run across any law that restricted Americans from owning any weapon they desired. Unless we're talking about blacks or Indians, because most gun restrictions in U.S. history have been employed to uh, unarm the people who needed weapons most. The idea of federal government conducting any sort of domestic gun policy whatsoever would have been completely alien concept to anyone before the 1930s. Even then, no specific types of guns were banned from use. Pretty clear there. <laughs> I don't think uh, that's just, again... Uh, completely wrong. Uh, let's go to, hmm, let's go here. This one I thought to be utterly fascinating. You know, remember the clip of Joe Biden during the campaign where he said, look, there's no miracle coming. There's no miracle coming. This COVID thing's really dangerous. There's no miracle coming. Now, I don't know. You can call it a miracle if you'd like, but we've kind of had a situation where what I would call a miracle has come. I mean, we've had a hundred million people who've been vaccinated in this country. And we're seeing some great results from that. We've, Israel's ahead of us and they're seeing even better results. I kind of felt like a miracle came. But there's this weird thing of Joe Biden where he says he's very religious and, you know, who am I to judge? But he keeps uttering the, the, the strangest phrases for someone who is religious. There is no miracle coming. That's not up to you, dude. You, you're going, you're trying to be president of the United States, not God. And then listen, Listen to this, because this is a very common thing on the left now. You know, there'd be a tragedy. People on the right would say, hey, our thoughts or prayers are with you, which is just a nice thing to say. And, and obviously something that religious people take a lot of meaning in. It's the ultimate statement of support and the ultimate statement of, 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 of comfort if you happen to be a religious person. So the left decided, well, we're going to mock that and say, well, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. And for a while, it was really crazy leftists, and now it's seeped into almost seemingly every Democrat who says, man, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. The, Joe Biden went a step further than that. Listen to this bizarre phrasing. Whether Congress acts or not, I'm gonna use all the resources at my disposal as president to keep the American people safe from gun violence. But there's much more that Congress can do to help that effort. And they can do it right now. Mm -hmm. They've offered plenty of thoughts and prayers, members of Congress. But they passed not a single new federal law to reduce gun violence. Enough prayers. Time for some action. Okay, it's one thing to say thoughts and prayers are not enough. It's another thing to say enough prayers. Is he actively asking people not to pray? from this religious president? He does enough prayers? We've had too many, are prayers the problem? We've had too many of them? That's a bizarre thing to say from someone who's religious. If you're not religious, you might look at that and say, you know, I don't, he messed up the phrase or whatever. Uh, that is a very weird thing to say, I'm sorry. To say enough, enough with your praying is not something a religious person goes to. That is a very weird thing to say. And it's also odd coming from Joe Biden, considering five minutes and 11 seconds later, he was saying this. If I get one thing on my list, the Lord came down and said, Joe, you get one of these, give me that one. Because I tell you what, 
There would be a come to the Lord moment these folks would have real quickly. There's lots of he's not he's not shy from using religious imagery. Uh, he's fine with that. Uh, but apparently too many prayers, guys. We need to solve our problems in this country. Stop your praying. Uh, it's no longer thoughts and prayers are not enough. Now there's just too many prayers. The quantity of pray, prayers in this country are just, it's just too high. Uh, by the way, if you're curious, uh, what is the one thing of this entire package he wanted to get to? Uh, it's pretty interesting. Here he is talking about uh, suing gun manufacturers. And we should also eliminate gun manufacturers from the immunity they receive from the Congress. You realize, again, the people here, because they're so knowledgeable on here in the Rose Garden, but what well, piece of people don't realize, the only industry in America, a billion-dollar industry, that can't be sued, has exempt from being sued, are gun manufacturers. Imagine how different it would be had that same exemption been available to tobacco companies. Who knew, who knew and lied about the danger they were causing, the cancer caused and the like. Imagine where we'd be. But this is the only outfit that is exempt from being sued. If I get one thing on my list, the Lord came down and said, Joe, you get one of these, give me that one. Mm. I mean, think about that for a second. Fascinating. Why would that be the one thing that he'd want? Why would that be the one thing? Because it's the one thing that would destroy the, the gun industry completely. Now, it's completely insane to say that if someone uses your product for a, uh, for a use that it is not designed or intended for, which would be a crime, uh, in this case, shooting someone. Yes, shooting someone in self-defense is a use. Shooting someone, sh uh, you know, shooting an animal maybe when you're hunting might be a use that's approved. However within the bounds of the law. And certainly shooting a bunch of uh, people in a mass shooting is, is nothing to do with that. Those people should not be able to sue the gun manufacturers. What would they even do? What would a gun manufacturer do to stop people from buying their product? The government is the one that handles the background checks, not the gun companies. This is insanity, and everyone on earth knows that it's insanity, which is why there was a little carve-out uh, for, uh, for uh, gun companies on this note. But of course, as usual, Joe Biden is blatantly lying about what is going on here. And I'll even give you the source for this, Daniel Dale from CNN, who fact-checked uh, Donald Trump famously throughout the years. He tweeted about this. Biden was wrong when he said uh, today that gun makers are the only big industry that can't be sued. One, they are immune from liability over unlawful misuse of guns, but they ha can and have been sued on other grounds. And two, they aren't the only big industry with some liability protection. So he's wrong, and it would be insane to lift that liability. We know what would happen there. There would be frivolous lawsuits uh, placed by the Michael Bloombergs of the world on every gun company constantly every time there was a crime. And that's completely ridiculous. It would be like saying every time there is a, uh, a vehicular homicide, you're suing Toyota. It makes no sense whatsoever. Everyone knows it makes no sense whatsoever. Even people like Joe Biden know it makes no sense whatsoever. But they also see it as a tool to get what they want done, done, whether it's fair, constitutional or not. And that's what so much of this was about today. There's more to go through on this speech. We'll have more in a second.
So if you're trying to buy or sell a home in these times, it can be challenging. I will say, I say that all the time because that's, you know, you know what uh, the kind of one of the taglines of real estate agents I trust. I mean, you know, these things can be difficult. But I will say now trying to sell a home is probably getting easier and easier. That doesn't mean you cut corners on it, though. Uh, right now we're having a, a, a boom when it comes to housing prices. People have some extra cash. Maybe they want to move to a place since they're working at home. I know a lot of people are doing this. They're they used to work in a city or near their office. And now they're going to be working at home, not just for now, not just for COVID, but forever. So they're moving to like the beach. And they're getting a house closer to the beach, a place that they really want to live. Why not if you're, li if you're living at home? We're seeing this all over the country. If that's you, if you're a person who maybe has a property that you want to unload while the market is up, it's a good idea too. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. You can't cut corners on this stuff. You have to make sure you're maximizing these transactions when you're talking about the biggest ones you'll ever have in your entire life. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns? Uh oh, that sounds These scary. are guns that are homemade. Oh my God! Built from a kit. No. And include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. You could buy the kit. They have no serial numbers. Uh oh. So when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. Oh no. And the buyers aren't required to pass a background check to buy the kit to oh make the gun. Oh no. Consequently, anyone, anyone from a criminal to a terrorist can buy this kit in as little as 30 minutes put together a weapon. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is kind of the, the, the foundation of the scary claims here with the Biden speech today on guns. The ghost guns thing sounds really bad, right? I mean, of course, there's a long history of people making their own firearms in this country. Going back to the founding of the United States, people do it all the time. Lots of hobbyists do it. Uh, it, you know, you get to put together, it's something, it's like brewing your own beer. You can go buy beer all over the place, but people like to brew their own beer too. Uh, there's a kit, uh, there's brewing kits for beer and there's a kit for guns. Very, very rarely are these actually used in, in criminal uh, actions. There have been a couple of shootings in California that people used ghost guns. Interestingly enough, I mean, they, that's where they have the laws too, to prevent them. Uh, there's not a lot of states that have anti-ghost gun laws, but California is one of them, and they've been the ones with all the problems. It, it, is, it is possible that these could be used this way, though it's really an inefficient thing. Just from a criminal perspective, you really, you're going to buy a bunch of guns for your gang. Really, you're, you're not going to just go get a giant barrel of them coming across the border. Uh, you'd rather go and build each one individually, and God only knows if it'll work or not. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It's just, uh, it's really like the hype. It's like the, the flashy headline that gets you to what they really want to do, which is take guns from everyday citizens. Very few citizens are actually using ghost guns. Very few criminals are really using them. You, criminals steal them. You know, they steal them. They buy them on the black market. They do all sorts of things. They really don't very frequently uh, obtain guns anyway this way. Um, but... And, and, and when they get them, by the way, they're, they're, not, you, they're not paying attention to these laws. They're not going to. California has a law that they have to submit their ghost gun uh, to get a serial number. Well, no one's doing it. You know, it's just ridiculous. People that commit crimes generally don't follow these little restrictions. Uh, here's another one. This is, another, this is an, the other sort of evil, scary thing that they're saying to people who don't understand what guns are. Uh, here's the other pitch that Biden came with today. We want to treat pistols modified with stabilizing braces with the seriousness they deserve. 
Mm. A stabilizing brace hook and a pencil essentially makes that pistol a hell of a lot more accurate and a mini rifle. As a result, it's more lethal, effectively turning into a short-barreled rifle. Oh, my gosh. You mean another thing that we also have a constitutional right to have? Oh, no. Do we want our guns to be less accurate? I, I just don't even understand what the, the, the left keeps making. Is they keep, these are going to make your gun more accurate. Well, first of all, it doesn't actually. I mean, a longer barrel might make it longer, more accurate. But a stabilizing brace, I mean, maybe it'll help. I think, I, you know, I, I, they're nice guns. They're nice guns. Uh, I'm not going to knock them. But it's like, do we want them to be less accurate? I don't understand. I feel like a lot of times what, what happens in these press conferences, and if you're in a, a big gun-owning state, if you came from a gun-owning family, if you have a military background or something, it's hard for me to express this because a lot of people on the right are from those areas. Uh, they live this lifestyle. They are, they're, they're familiar. They're comfortable with guns. I grew up in Connecticut. Nobody I knew really was a big gun guy. My dad was in the military, but he wasn't a gun guy. We didn't have guns in the house. It, it just wasn't part of the culture at all. It's like if I were to do a, a, a law a, a, you know, uh, regulating Japanese anime right now, I would have no idea what the hell any of it meant. Joe Biden can come up here and say all sorts of scary things about Japanese anime, and I would have no idea because I don't understand that at all. And the same thing happens with guns. He can just say anything. I mean, listen to this one. Uh, this is him talking about, uh, this is the gun show one, I think. This is him talking about the gun shows. Listen. Most people don't know. You walk into a store and you buy a gun, you have a background check. Mm. But you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want, and no background check. That is a complete lie. Now, there is a huge chunk of people who listen to that speech who are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that gun shows. I've heard that that gun show thing. They could just go buy it whenever they want. Why wouldn't evil conservatives want to stop that? Well, number one, it's not freaking true. I have purchased a gun at a gun show. Guess what happened? I went through a background check. Everyone that I've ever known. It was gone through a gun show has, has bought a gun with a gun background check. There are certain private sales. If you're unloading one gun that you have, you're not a, not a, not a dealer, but you've got one gun you're going to unload. You know, you can do that without a background check, but that's more to cover the cost and all the other things associated with one person, you know, selling a gun to a family member or a friend or somebody in town. Uh, that's, that's not supposed to go through that system. It's just, it's something that is designed to make people who don't understand the culture, who don't understand the current rules, to freak them out so that they just will put these regulations on everyday citizens who are doing absolutely nothing wrong. This is unconstitutional and it is wrong. And the way he lies about it is also immoral and he should be called out on it. Happy to welcome to the show Brian Lilly, political columnist for the Toronto Sun. Good to see you, Brian, my friend. How are you? I, I'm well, I'd like to say I'm doing well, but I'm really living lockdown hell life right now. Let's face it. I, I live in the most lockdown city in North America, and it's only getting worse. <laughs> this is a sad, sad statement. I mean, I, as I went to uh, a game last night between the uh, uh, Texas Rangers and America's team, the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was sitting here thinking about this as I am in Texas watching the Blue Jays and they won't let the team into its home country. 
No, not at all. So they play in Dunedin, Florida, which, you know, is where an awful lot of Canadians like to spend their winters anyway. Yeah. Uh, my, my parents have actually sold lemonade at the uh, as part of a charity fundraiser for the local one of the local groups that, uh, you know, is near where they live for normal winter months in, in Largo. So lots of Canadians normally go there. But right now we're living in this weird pandemic world where after spring training, well, the Blue Jays normally come back. Now they're not allowed in. So e- even the Raptors, the the once mighty Toronto Raptors, are now playing their home games in uh, Tampa as well. They're going where the Canadians are. I wish I could have gone where you were the other day. Your seats looked beautiful and the park looked lovely and, and people had freedom and choice. And I'm starting to forget what that's like as my skin gets paler by the day. <laughs> it is really interesting because you moved to Toronto relatively recently. Uh, you know, there's, Toronto is a great city. I mean, if pe- people in America, if they've never been up there, it's a really fun city when it's open. Uh, there's great <laughs> food there. It's really a really vibrant culture. I, I love visiting Toronto um, just to see Blue Jays games and hanging out for the weekend. Uh, you moved there and now you just can't do anything. No, I can't. And and I'm glad that you like it. Uh, you know, we, we met up uh, on one of your trips down for breakfast when you were here a couple of years ago, but I moved here, had a great first year. Concerts, like all the big acts that you guys would get. We're, we're getting the big acts. We're getting, we've got an NHL team, an NBA team, Major League Baseball. We don't have NFL football, but it's close by with the Bills. And we also have the Canadian Football League, which is different. But good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got all this activity going on, and all of it's just stopped. And a a booming, wonderful restaurant scene. And other than takeout, which isn't quite the same, that's all done. And and look at my hair stew. I haven't had a haircut <laughs> in months. They closed the barbers sometime. I want to say mid November. So I've been doing the home haircuts where you, you know, like you just try and keep the side and the back clean. But, you know, the, the, the top is so big, I'm starting to be like Arthur from the Peaky Blinders. I, I've just got to keep <laughs> grease on it to, to keep it up there. Um, and, and none of this has worked. And I was looking the other day at the numbers because of the Jays Rangers game happening in Arlington. And I said, OK, let's look at how Texas is doing, because, of course, everyone mocked Texas for opening up. Right. Oh, oh you can't do that. Oh, bad Republican governors. Texas geographically is smaller than Ontario. I don't think a lot of people would realize that because, you know, Texas is so big. Ontario is bigger geographically. Mm. But population wise, you guys are twice our size. We've got just shy of 15 million. You've got about 29. You guys have about the same number or fewer daily cases than we do. Your cases per 100,000 citizens are at about 67. We're over 120. Mm. There, there's no way that that should make sense based on all the media talking points of if you don't lock down, everyone's going to die. And yet we're locking down harder because the months of lockdown that I've been under have not worked. And you guys are allowing people to, the crazy choice of do you want a socially distant seat or not? Like, I hope that doesn't become a permanent thing uh, <laughs> like, you know, smoking or non-smoking used to be. But at least right now you've got the choice. Yeah, I want to go to the game, but I'm worried about the kids doing, you know, sit in a regular section. Oh, we'll go to the socially distant section. You guys have that choice. We don't have the choice to do anything except go to a grubby McDonald's, stand outside on the street corner and eating it. That's your night out. Yeah, it really is amazing. I mean, you know, obviously there's been a wide variance as, as to, you know, state by state here in America as to how 
uh, we've responded. And look, we definitely got hit in in America harder than Canada. Part of that could be right because of the restrictions were on the whole time. The border restrictions were really strong. I want to I want to talk about that uh, coming up here in a second. Um, but like there has to be a balance. And, you know, yes, we understand that uh, uh, you can put everyone into a Ziploc bag and probably keep them away from COVID, but that's not success. Uh, and the fact that Texas is performing as well or better than many of the states in the United States, dis- despite their uh, more uh, freedom leaning policies and currently doing just as well or better than even Canada, it says quite uh, it, it's, it tells quite a story that maybe we are in a, a period here that we can have some freedoms and still have some safety. Yeah, and, and look, I am not a person that says, you should never have public health restrictions. Mm -hmm. There are times when it makes sense, but it can't be the only answer. And it can't be, you all must do this, you all must lock down, or um, all hell's going to break loose. Like I said, I've been in a lockdown here since uh, November 23rd, I think was the day. Uh, They closed restaurants on October 9th to indoor dining. They allowed patios for a couple more weeks, but indoor dining was closed on October 9th in Toronto and the surrounding suburbs. So, you know, we call it the GTA. It's like your um, Metroplex in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Sure. Uh, you know, so we're, we're talking a neighborhood of about 6 million people. Indoor dining has been closed since then. And still they're blaming restaurants. Well, that's not where the spread's happening. It's happening elsewhere. Here's our problem. You guys had um, that really weird orange bad man president <laughs> who got you vaccines, right. right? He was evil. He he tried to conquer the world and kill everyone. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you remember that guy? Yeah, but he got vaccines. And, and we've got the Prince of Woke up here and he didn't get his vaccines because he tried to do a deal with China in May of last year and then didn't sign any deals till the end of August when it was too late. So we, we're at about 14% of the population has had one dose. Texas, you're at about 28, 29%. It varies state by state. Some states are doing great, like West Virginia is off the charts, last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Florida is doing really well. Um, New York is starting to do better. There's, they, they still have worse COVID conditions than any of us. If they were a European country, the EU would kick them out. That's how bad they are. Uh, <laughs> So it, it, it really does vary depending on, uh, it, it, there's no straight, oh, this state proves restrictions work, this pro- state proves restrictions don't. Some have done better than others, and it has nothing to do with the restrictions at times. Yeah, and the restrictions in Canada have been, and I don't know if everyone has been following this closely, you know, because we're all, everyone's obsessed with their own situation. But in Canada, the restrictions have been really hard. Trudeau has has clamped down in, in a big way. I want to read to you a, a, a tweet thread from, um, from <laughs> Justin Trudeau from just the other day. This is March 29th. Now is not the time to travel. If you have plans to head somewhere for the long weekend, cancel them. There are other safer ways for you to connect with your family and friends. For those who need to travel, take note of the measures that are in place when you return to Canada. If you're flying back into the country, you'll need to show a negative PCR test result before you board the plane. When you land, you're going to need to take another PCR test, which is 
bizarre and, and is not even close to what the science would support. Uh, you'll then have to wait at an approved hotel at your own expense for your results to come back. If your results come back negative for COVID, you'll be able to head home and finish your mandatory quarantine there. If your test results come back positive, you'll need to immediately quarantine in designated government facilities. This is not optional. If you're returning through our land border, you'll need to show a negative PCR test uh, that was taken within the past 72 hours. On top of that, you'll have to take a PCR test when you arrive and you'll have to take another one toward the end of your 14 day quarantine. This is just insanity and several yeah. steps there do not support the science. Uh, they don't and they violate the Constitution and our Charter of Rights and all kinds of things. Uh, but look, Justin Trudeau didn't want to close the border last year. Uh, he was telling us, no, go eat at Chinese restaurants. Don't be racist. Why have border restrictions? Mm. Uh, that's when we were just dealing with COVID coming out of Wuhan, as it spread around the world to Iran, Germany, Egypt, the United States. A big chunk of our COVID cases were people going south for March break, spring break in, in, in Virginia, in the Carolinas, in Florida, in Arizona, and then bringing it back with them. That's how we got it. We would, he would not consider any border restrictions until the country was full of COVID. <laughs> then, you know, about the end of summer, early fall last year, a bunch of the premiers, uh, the leaders of our provinces, uh, started saying to the, the prime minister, they said, uh, look, Justin, we want testing when people arrive because we're still getting COVID and, and we hadn't even found out about the variant yet. They said, we're still getting COVID in from arriving flights on international, uh, from international destinations. No, 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 I won't do that. So some of the premiers started to do it on their own, like Premier Doug Ford here in Ontario said at Toronto's Pearson Airport, you, you arrive, we want you to do a test. Um, Trudeau again resisted, he mocked the idea that travel was a problem, and then we had uh, the, the, the UK variant show up in one nursing home north of Toronto. Stu, it was devastating. It ravaged the place. Mm. Absolutely horrible. You know, these are old people towards the end of their life. They've got comorbidities already, but they're trying to live out the end of their life in peace. And someone brought in the UK variant who had just been in the British Isles. The place had more than 100 deaths. Oh, jeez. At that point, Trudeau said, brought in all of these rules. You've got to have the test before you get on board. You've got to have a test when you land. And you've got to stay in a hotel. What wasn't in that tweet in which he said, if you're traveling for the long weekend, most of us call it Easter. He calls it the long weekend. Um, <laughs> what wasn't in that tweet is that you get a bill for $2,000 for a three-day stay. Now, you're allowed to leave as soon as your PCR test comes back negative, which could be a day. Guess what? You still pay $2,000. And while you're there, you can't order in food. You can't call up to room service. You just get the food that they provide for you. and. My paper, The Toronto Sun, we've talked to an awful lot of people who have been stuck in these. You're getting a bad sandwich and a bruised banana in a brown paper bag for your lunch. And if you don't like it, too bad. You can wait for the next bad meal to show up. And you're in there until they let you go. Now, several people have just started saying, this violates my constitutional rights. And they walk out of the airport and they say, screw you, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And they'd rather take the fines uh, or take their chances having a judge you know, either convict them or throw it out in court then spend that time. I don't blame them. If you walk across the border, you don't have to go into that hotel though. So I've got a friend visiting uh, the US soon. I won't say where, I don't wanna give away anything for him, but he's gonna 
fly into Buffalo and walk across the border. You're off a cab, drop them off, and uh, someone else pick them up on the other side. We have the same policy at our southern border. You can walk across whenever you want, <laughs> uh, but you can't go on vacation. Uh, I mean, I was really amazed by this, too. You, you mentioned, like, the, the rules, like, taking a test before you leave on a flight and taking a test after you land on a flight makes absolutely no sense. Even if you were to get it on the flight, it wouldn't show up in the test when you landed. So you'd have to be you'd have to cross that threshold of viral load to, for it to be picked up uh, when you land, which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all too. to it says here that you're going to be taking a test at the end of your 14 day quarantine as a COVID-19 survivor myself. I know you'll test positive on a PCR test for up to six weeks after you have it, even long after after you are uh, contagious in any way and which is why here in the United States we have a you know it's a, uh, a, a time period rather than need to show a proof of a negative test I mean it just seems like they're doing everything they can to restrict you and throwing this stuff out there that gives you the idea of safety but does not actually achieve it let me tell you about Justin Trudeau on this file he has resisted doing anything that makes sense and then gone to the extreme at every turn and and look, the, the premier said to him when, so at first, before he instituted, you got to do a test when you land, it was, you've got to do a test before you get on the flight. And they said, that doesn't make sense. In some of these places, you can't get tests. And, you know, very popular thing is fly down to Cancun for a nice week in the sun. Guess what? You know, one of my uh, competing papers sent a reporter down to Cancun. Within an hour, they had a negative PCR test for $100 without having that swab go up their nose. Mm. You, you've seen the giant swab that Chris Cuomo showed Andrew. Oh, yeah. yeah, they didn't have to do that. <laughs> they just had to pay 100 bucks, and they got a new tested negative PCR document. I, that's cheaper than the test. Mm, it's fascinating. I, you know, I, I, uh, the, the Andrew Cuomo thing is, is really... Uh, connects here because that's what Trudeau sounds like. He's been wrong every single step of the way uh, throughout this entire process. He's been too restrictive when he didn't need to be. He hasn't been restrictive enough when he probably should have been. He's been all over the board and wrong. And seemingly uh, you guys had some really some of these really sad after effects as well of these policies, particularly in nursing homes. It's been a really rough year, uh, Brian, but I do hope that Toronto opens up soon. I hope the Blue Jays can come home and play their games in the country that, that you know, they're from. This is two years without me getting to go to home opener. I know. It's it's been. I love sitting in the outfield. Yeah, no, look, it's a, it's a great place to go, and it's a fun place, and right in the center of Toronto. If you're ever, I mean, all those huge Blue Jays fans out there, I know will uh, will of course follow <laughs> along. Uh, Brian Lilly, uh, political columnist for the Toronto Sun, and just a all around great dude, living in lockdown in Canada. Thank you so much for taking some time, Brian. Thank you, Stu. <laughs> all right, back in a second. Robbie Suave at Reason has a great story about the University of Virginia, a guy named Kieran Bhattacharya. He was uh, there, a student there at the um, School of Medicine, a attended a panel discussion on the subject of microaggressions, and he was a little upset at the uh, definition of a microaggression offered by the presenter. He raised his hand and he said this. He said, thank you for your presentation. I have a few questions just to clarify your definition on microaggressions. Is it a requirement to be a victim of microaggression that you are a member of a marginalized group? The presenter replied that it was not a requirement. Bhattacharya then suggested that this was contradictory since a slide in her presentation had defined microaggressions as negative interactions with members of marginalized groups. 
They clashed for a few minutes on how to define the term. It was a polite disagreement. Well, of course, it didn't end there, now did it? Uh, a, an assistant professor who helped organize the event thought Bhattacharya's questions were a little bit too pointed. She followed a professionalism concern card that said this the student asked a series of questions that were quite antagonistic toward the panel. He pressed on and stated one faculty member was being contradictory. His level of frustration and anger seemed to escalate until another faculty member diffused the situation by calling on another student for questions. On and on and on and on. On November 26, the school said he had to have a psychological evaluation because he asked these questions. Um, the queries, uh, after, after he fought back and said, I don't really want that, like on whose authority am I have, do I have to get a psychological evaluation? That pissed off University of Virginia even more. They had a hearing. At the hearing, he was accused of being extremely defensive in order to change his aggressive, threatening behavior. He was ultimately suspended for aggressive and inappropriate interactions in multiple situations. They ordered him to, pol to uh, the uh, campus police ordered him to leave campus. He asked a question about microaggressions and got suspended and has to leave campus. He's now suing. We'll keep you updated as it goes on. Are you awesome? I hope so. This spring, as you go back outdoors to explore, take bespoke posts on all of your adventures because they have a new box of awesome collection, all for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome, these things are really cool. Uh, they have uh, collections for every part of your life. To get started, you just go to boxofawesome.com, take the little quiz they have there, helps you, you know, kind of design which box is gonna be best for you. And then they release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, you can skip a month, you can cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, 45 bucks for a month of really cool stuff. And it has more than $70 worth of gear inside. And I will say, I've never seen one at $70. It's always a lot more than that. That's just me saying that, though. I can tell they put a lot into this. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the co code STU at checkout to get 20% off. It's boxofawesome.com. A great gift. The code is STU. Get 20% off. So if you don't know what the AFT is, you might need a shirt like this. The Senility Now t-shirt line is up and in effect at StuDoesMerch.com. Uh, if you hope one day our president will be senile once again, uh, this is a good shirt to show the love for that concept. Uh, before we go, in Australia, there is a, a brewery that is offering now beer for your excess solar panel. So let's say you have your solar panels running, got some excess panels that are generating some extra power coming back into the grid. Well, you can sell it to this beer company. They're not going to pay you in cash. They're going to pay you in beer. And I will say it does seemingly make some sense. I mean, kind of probably have to be drunk to go put solar panels on your house. I can could, I could understand it from that perspective. Uh, but I don't know. I mean... They want to go to 100% renewable power by 2025, so they're offering uh, to get all their people who will sell them excess solar energy uh, some beer. I like the idea. I think it's pretty good. Um, we, we could probably go with, with, a, with a similar plan here, like people with, I don't know, maybe give them black tar heroin uh, so they can, 
I mean, we got to go a little bit further than Australia, I would think. Uh, actually, the good thing is they probably won't have to give any beer out because solar panels basically generate no electricity. So that's good.